0: You've seen their TV shows. You've watched
1: their webcasts. Now, the boys invite you to Poker in the Ears. Hello, my babies, and welcome to Poker in the Ears. I am Uncle Daddy Joe Stapleton. He is my work wife, James Hardigan. And today, it's the second game in our doubleheader.
0: Yes, although for us, it's the same day. For the audience, it's a week later.
1: Well, for us, it's all kinds of different days and stuff. We won't get into the nitty gritty of how this insane episode has been recorded. We'll tell you about that another time. Coming up on today's show, two horrific (laughs) poker movies to be reviewed. James, all I ask, can we please do a good poker movie for the next one? I've never seen the grand. I've heard it's good. I would actually like to watch that movie.
0: The reviews are not overwhelmingly positive. The bizarre thing is, I didn't know this. Until we announced we were reviewing Lucky You and Deal that The Grand in the United Kingdom was retitled. It's called Loser. Loser? Yeah. With Woody Harrelson. I've no idea. I'm guessing that The Grand did not perform particularly well at the box office in the United States, and therefore they disguised its identity for its straight-to-video European release. I'm not sure whether The Grand does fall under the remit of being a good poker movie, but I promise you this... When it comes to us doing another Movie Monday, we will find a better film to talk about than either Lucky You or Deal. So without further ado, let's get to it, shall we? Let's waste no more time. Joseph, let's discuss Lucky You.
1: James, I thought we could kick things off for both these movies by reading the iTunes description of them uh, because these are just hilarious and they're always written by someone that, like, has maybe never even heard of poker, let alone... Anyway, let me just let it speak Please for do. itself. Ante up for a sure entertainment bet. <laughs> From L.A. Confidential director Curtis Hanson, who co-wrote this charmer with fellow Academy Award winner Eric Roth, force of Forrest Gump, pro gambler Ch- Huck Cheever, Eric Bana meets irresistible Billy Offer, Drew Barrymore, and sorry, I took it out of focus a little bit, and learns to something, learns to love the way he treats cards, trusting his heart instead of his head. He also scrambles to raise the entry for the High Roller World Series of Poker.
0: Oh my god. Even though,
1: or maybe because, the tournament may pit him against his estranged father, Robert Duvall.
0: Has anyone ever clicked on buy or rent after reading that? But James,
1: there's the High Roller World Series of Poker.
0: (sighs) Oh. To be honest with you, that pricey on iTunes is slightly less egregious than the movie itself?
1: Uh, yeah, sure. No, the movie's a huge slap in the face to anyone and everyone. I also thought it was interesting. Now now, James, I will often struggle when I go to rent a movie on iTunes because it'll be like three ninety nine to rent, five ninety nine to own, and I'll be like, Oh, what if I have to watch this movie outside the forty eight hour window?
0: Yeah. That- what if but also you do realize then it's yours and it's always gonna be there in your iTunes library and it's like, no, I just don't wanna see the poster. I just don't want it to be there.
1: Right. Except for this movie it was three ninety nine to rent, fourteen ninety nine to own, wow. and I was like, no fucking way. <laughs> You'd seen this one before, right? Yes, and I was so mad that I had to watch this movie again once I got past the opening scene. Yes. This uh, is the
0: weird thing. The opening scene of this movie It fills you with false hope because it gets off to a decent start. The scene in the pawn shop where he's basically trying to hawk a camera and he does this uh, this speech, which I guess is an example of his kind of like bluffing ability or his ability to kind of read people. And it's actually
1: it's actually a a, a nice little scene and a well-written speech. It's very cool, and it doesn't beat you over the head with him being a poker player. I think he mentions it at some point, but every other scene in this movie, he's like, well, as a poker player, or poker player this, or don't talk to him. He's a poker player, and I just, every time it happens. This scene, you're like, all right, though, all right, off to a promising start. And then things go downhill really fast. Yes, as in the first time they cut to outside the pawn shop and you can see how silly this movie is going to be when he's riding a really stupid looking motorcycle for this entire movie. I really don't get it. Rides
0: to Bellagio where he takes a seat next to Borat's manager. He is so keen to post. It is ridiculous, which no pro player would ever do. Um, This first game unfortunately sets the tone not just for lucky you but also for deal why is everyone at a poker table in the movies such an
1: asshole why do they talk to each other so horribly well there was a few things about this movie that i kind of thought was uh fairly accurate um him being excited to post i actually think but like speaks a little bit to his his nature and that his compulsiveness he's not- yeah, he's not a good gambler. Uh, now, he's a blaster. Boss-
0: in- we'll come to that later. He, oh, my God.
1: Yeah, please. Um, you know, the fact that he wants to post may or may not have been intentional. I'm willing to get past that. Um As far as playing at a 1-2 game in Vegas, though, these archetypes of, like, villain players do exist. They do,
0: but my experience of playing 1-2 in Vegas, there has always been a decent atmosphere at the table. You might get one or two assholes, you might get the drunk guy, but literally everyone in every poker game, in every movie, at every stake, behaves like an antagonistic son of a bitch. Because you can't
1: tell your narr- your heavy-handed narrative as easily James unless you're making it very clear good guy bad guy sure. asshole loser
0: situation there was one guy in this game who was such an asshole that he flips over Eric Banner's hand for which he should have been thrown out of the <laughs> game by the way this also introduces us to the classic line sometimes nothing is enough
1: oh, and there are man. more
0: horrific lines of dialogue to follow uh, because he then goes to the bar where he meets Drew Barrymore. And again, because he's a poker player, he's able to read her.
1: Okay. This scene makes absolutely no sense to me whatsoever (laughs) because he's, he's going on this run at the Bellagio. Then all of a sudden he goes to this bar that is off the strip somewhere, runs into people. He didn't know were going to be there. Like they're all surprised to see each other meets drew barrymore this scene plays like a bad improv like a really bad improv yeah and then at the end she reads him
0: wow <laughs> the tables are turned just to go back to that itunes Precy. this is the yeah. academy award-winning filmmaker curtis hansen who made la confidential one of the best films of the 1990s and 8 Mile. and eric roth who, okay, he's had some kind of peaks and and valleys along the way in his career, but these are talented
1: people. How the hell did they write a script so bad? Uh, Well, first of all, we'll get to that in a sec, because I think once we get to the sports better in his house thing, it sort of explains why it's so bad, in my opinion.
0: The sports better, who we discovered, by the way, was the owner of the digital camera that he was trying to pawn in the very first scene of the movie, and you
1: realize, oh my God, this guy's a scumbag. He is this comeback, And that part of the story is like fairly accurate too. I think when it comes to, uh, you know, it doesn't portray poker the best light, but when it comes to compulsive gamblers, anyway, he leaves, leaves on the run at Bellagio goes to a bar for no actual reason, because again, uh, he doesn't see anyone he was expecting to see. Then all of a sudden cut to, he's back at Bellagio again? well na- Narrative is not
0: this movie's strong point. And <laughs> um, which point they play stud eight. So, I guess we should salute Curtis Hanson and Eric Roth for trying to be brave enough to put Stud 8 in a film. At this point, Robert Duvall shows up in a desperate attempt to class up this movie. Barry Greenstein, who we spoke to on last week's show, is at the table looking really, really bored, at which point this ridiculous hand plays out with the pawn shop ticket. In a hand during which Robert Duvall is so spewy and so lucky, and yet everyone turns this around on Eric Banner and makes it sound like he did something wrong because that little guy from The Untouchables starts giving <laughs> him an unnecessary lecture about,
1: you're a blaster. You need to slow down. He
0: got it in with top set, you prick.
1: Yeah, I mean, this is where the, the seams start to show quite a bit. Um, and then they so desperately want robert duvall's character to be a good poker player but they don't know how <laughs> to make that happen like and it would this you know it is this movie is a little bit of sign of the times as well this is when and there's a few little backhanded references to it this is when no one really respected young players and no one respected internet players and no one could f- possibly fathom that these old guys didn't know what the fuck they were doing for the most part
0: yeah Um, at which point the guy from The Untouchables offers to stake Eric Banner, but no, he then goes running to Tony Stark for money, and I had completely forgotten that Robert Downey Jr. is in this movie for all of two minutes.
1: This feels like a scene they added uh, after the fact, like for some reason did a reshoot or something. Um, It really just doesn't fit with the movie. Uh, You don't even understand. It's just, it is, a again, it's like one of the better scenes in the movie, I think. Purely based on the fact that Robert Downey Jr. can actually act, and I feel so bad, but like Eric Bana is so, so bad in this movie. I've and
0: never I've... been convinced by Eric Bana as a leading man. Don't get me wrong. There are many movies in which I've enjoyed his performance. Uh, remember, we went to see the film Hannah in New York. I thought he was sure. great in that. I thought he was great in a very small role in Funny People, the Adam Sandler movie. I think he was thought he was great in heavy makeup as the villain in the Star Trek reboot. But as a leading man, I've never been convinced. I didn't like Spielberg's Munich. I hated the Hulk movie he was in. And this is another example of where he's just vanilla. He's bland. He brings nothing to the table.
1: Yeah. And so then this Robert Downey Jr. scene is actually pretty watchable. Uh, but it it feels like it just has no place in the movie whatsoever.
0: So then we, as the audience, get to learn how to play poker because he takes Drew Barrymore to this game and teaches her how the game works. A bit late for the audience, but never mind. There is no (laughs) way, by the way, that the rest of the table cannot hear their conversation. Never mind the fact that it's two players to a hand. He is literally going, I think she's got King Queen here, so I'm
1: going to fold. Yeah, this scene. Um, if we could take it back a few seconds before this, right before uh, he takes her to the poker game, this is where some of the the horrible Drew Barrymore lines start happening. Uh, I can't believe this is actually a line in the movie. Vroom, vroom. She says vroom, vroom when she looks at his motorcycle. She also <laughs> did you notice that she screws up like a lot of colloquial phrases in the movie? Like she says, the leaf doesn't fall far from the tree. I mean,
0: again, narrative, not this movie's strong point. Character, also not this movie's strong point. Um, By the way, at this point, Eric Banner decides he's going to steal money from Drew Barrymore after sleeping with her. So in the first 45 minutes, we've established that he stole his friend's camera and he steals from his girlfriend. Our lead character, our hero, is now a
1: complete scumbag and I cannot wait for this guy to lose again. And when he's being, quote, unquote, charming, he's not that charming. No. Like, he's, like, fine the rest of the time. Can we please talk about the rooftop scene, though, before he takes her home? Oh, God. Where it's, like, it just cuts to them on the roof of the Bellagio, and you can tell they pretty much have, like, one take at this. So they just sit. It's a silence, silence, silence. Like, a good 45 seconds. And then out of nowhere, (laughs) Drew Barrymore's character goes, I think everyone's just trying to not be lonely. And scene, like, it's just so, it's
0: so awful. Um, One thing I'm going to say in favour of this movie, skipping ahead slightly, but some of the colour in the movie is decent. Like the guy with the breast implants who takes the bathroom prop bet, some of those stuff which is based on real Vegas incidents, that stuff works. There's just not enough of it. And the hard, kind of the core of the movie, the poker, is so bad that it just takes you out of that milieu.
1: I think that there's actually too much of it. I will agree that those scenes all work um, or that they're kind of clever and interesting. Uh, I just think that there's too much of it. It, To me, it seems like Curtis Hanson and this guy Roth who who wrote the movie, this is my theory, is that they were like, wow, poker sounds really cool. How do we cram every cool thing we've ever heard about poker into one movie? So you've got – the breast implants, you've got the sports better watching a bunch of TVs all at one time. You've got, uh, you know, the golf prop bet. These are all like these legendary stories that, you know, you would hear about Eric Lindgren sitting in his house with like 32 TV set up. You're like, Oh, that sounds cool. Let's put that in a movie. But like, it's just a bunch of jammed together things, some of which are cool, some of which aren't. And it really sucks when your sideshow is not as good as your main attraction.
0: Let's talk about the super sat to the World Series main event, where we have Jennifer Harmon playing Shannon Kincaid. Really? Uh, And Michael (laughs) Shannon. Again, I'd forgotten he was in this movie. There is an ancient dealer who fucks up, which is followed by the worst ruling ever and one of the stupidest poker scenes in a movie ever. And that is saying something.
1: Yes, uh, it's really, really bad. I didn't. Luckily, I think me and you both uh, uh, may have misremembered this scene as having Matt Savage actually in it, making this terrible ruling. Luckily, it's not him. I thought Jen Harmon was actually really decent in this scene. Well, she's just playing um, Jen Harmon, but for some bizarre reason, as Shannon Kincaid. Yes, but all the other poker players are mostly playing themselves, and they're terrible at it, so at least <laughs> Jen as decent as Shannon, uh, Kincaid. Uh, there's a really awful line in this where he, like, I think their are heads up and Eric Bana shoves and Michael Shannon says, you're not trying to steal the blinds. Are you? <laughs> yes. And I can't <laughs> like this line is so bad that I can't even think of like, a, like I'm trying, it'd be like if you're watching a golf movie and one of them went you're not trying to get the ball in the cup, are you? And you're like, yeah, no, that's that's uh, so that's exactly what I'm trying to do. So to be clear, Eric Banner heads
0: up against Michael Shannon for the ticket in the World Series main yeah. event. It's never touched on, but we assume that they have exactly the same number of chips because clearly <laughs> right. whoever is going to win this hand is going to win Wins. the ticket. <laughs> and Banner gets it in with tens. Shannon has eights. And the board runs out, brick, 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 tens hold, congratulations, everyone gives a round of applause, and Eric Banner gets his ticket to the World Series main event. He is literally leaving the room at the point they go, wait, there aren't enough burn cards. The old befuddled dealer forgot to burn before the river. And the tournament director is like, I'm sorry, sir, but the house rules dictate that there has to be a burn card. At which point, Eric Banner correctly states, the hand was declared over. The result has been declared. You can't go back. No, sir. There has to be a burn card. And of course, the river card becomes the burn card. The new river card is an eight. Michael Shannon is going to the big game. Eric Banner isn't.
1: The big dance, I think. uh... The big
0: dance. That's right. Got to get your dress ready for the big dance.
1: Uh, yeah, just, just an awful scene. The house rules dictate that there must be a turn card. Don't forget the house rule stating that once a pot is pushed, the hand is over. How Precisely. about that house
0: rule? Precisely. If you think that seems bad, we then have the diner conversation, where there is a dumb philosophy session about what is poker, and Eric Banner contradicts himself as being this pure poker player who doesn't bet on sports, but will take ludicrous prop bets.
1: Yeah, so first of all, it's because he turns down his staking arrangement. No, wait a second. He takes the staking arrangement this time, right? He
0: turns it down when it's like 50-50 or 60-40, and then he's stuck with like 70-30. Which, by the way, is
1: still a pretty fucking decent staking arrangement for being 100% staked.
0: So he basically takes the stake from the little guy from the Untouchables, the one who gets shot in the lift. I can't remember his name. And then promptly loses all of his staking money in a game against his dad in a diner. Please tell me what the fuck is going on in this scene. I have no idea what the rules of the game are. I'm utterly confused, but all I know is that Eric Banner loses everything.
1: Yeah, you can, like, the the psychology of this scene, I get. Like, it it makes sense that this guy is just a loser and he's going to lose the money and he's going to keep losing to his dad no matter what. Everything about the... The rest of the scene makes sense, including an amazing line of dialogue when his dad walks in into where he says something like uh, the Grecian formulas on the left, unless you're here for the pink. It's just so, another such a horrifically written scene. Um, and, but I get being frustrated and losing everything and losing it all. Um I don't understand what game they're playing either. It's no. more like the Robert Duvall wins game, it I think, is what it is. makes
0: absolutely no sense. And now he's in the hole for like more than five grand, more than ten grand, sorry. So he has to take this prop bet, this golf prop
1: bet. And for this scene, Joe, we're going to need a montage. <laughs> this is, uh, I mean, we haven't had, this movie hasn't been horrible on the montages just yet. Just where do we get to deal? Um <laughs> This golf prop bet is like an interesting scene. I feel like it was shot pretty badly considering how much more interesting it could have been. But then he goes and it's seemingly he's going to win this prop bet, except for the fact that Drew Barrymore is like he has to have the blast ball in the, in the cup by the time the tire reaches zero. First of and all,
0: Bar- there is no way with his lifestyle, there is no fucking way he would be that fit. There is no way he would even be a challenger for this prop bet.
1: No, because Lindgren did it. This is based on a real thing, and Lindgren makes it. Okay. Um, I don't know if it was five miles or whatever it was. I think for Lindgren, it was three – it was like 72 holes or something. Um, Yes, I agree that his lifestyle, he shouldn't be able to do it. Some people are just naturally athletic. I could get past that. What I couldn't get past was her counting down going three, two. And then him taking a 40-foot putt with one second left to go and then being at all surprised when the ball did not land in time. Like, how could any of that? It was so obvious he wasn't going to make it.
0: She did kind of screw him over, though, which means they're now both really unlikable characters, at which point she leaves him and turns him and says, I'm making a good fold. (laughs) (laughs) Um, We have to pick up on something very important here. This movie was filmed in 2006 and released in 2007. And Deborah Messing says, chip and a chair. Several years before Joe
1: Stapleton. I'm just going to put this down to great minds thinking alike. Yeah, I mean, look, it's sometimes life imitates art. Sometimes art imitates life. Uh, And maybe it's possible that I said it at some point before this and didn't even realize what I had.
0: Uh, You talked about the poker players playing themselves, not very convincingly. Enter Daniel Negreanu playing Bellagio totally silent never says a word that's not the dean next we know and love (laughs) cutting Uh, room floor is the only thing i can think and then we come to the world series of poker main event i have two words to say to you joe good skill
1: good skill buddy have a good skill show good skill (laughs) this what does that mean oh my well i mean i don't think i really have to explain it to you instead of saying good luck He's saying good skill because there's a it, one line earlier in the movie. He goes, "I don't believe in luck. I believe in skill," and you're just like, "Oh my fucking god, kill me!" <laughs> um, when the World
0: Series main event starts, there is an amazing extra who really wants to make the most of his part because they're drawing <laughs> for the dealer button, and uh, he gets to, to, he's he's at the table where they're, they're drawing for the button. He gets dealt uh, the ace, and he goes, "There's my
1: ace! Button starts here, boys!" <laughs> Oh, my God. I don't even remember that. There's so many other painful things in this movie. There's the roving reporter. Lol. There's Sammy Farha's awkward cameo. Really painful. And again, I think it's just the director being like, oh, these are such cool guys. It's from this weird obsession hero worship that Hollywood has with poker players. Like, not everything they do is cool. Don't make them act. Please don't make them act. That was painful. There's a really painful moment where he I think he finally busts Michael Shannon yes. and the dealer the dealer, tells him nice hands.
0: <laughs> yes, Shannon is back, bluffs. Hulk makes a sick call. Um, should point out, by the way, that the final table is pretty amazing. As far as characters are concerned, we would kill to get a final table like that on our tour. Um And again, we've got people not playing themselves. Matt Savage is tournament director Gil Edwards, and
1: John (laughs) Hennigan is not playing John Hennigan. Instead, he is playing an arsehole. Yes, and this I didn't understand at all. Like, why have a poker player, and no offense to John, a not-that-well-known poker player who also cannot act play such a big part in this movie it's like they ruin both things like they could have had a really big poker player just sort of play himself or just be quiet or they could have had a good actor but like by having him do it it's it's so weird and I can't tell if these scenes are so awkward because I know the people and so they really stand out to me as being bad glorified extras or if they really are if it really is just such an awkward movie
0: yeah i think it's probably a combination of the two to be honest by the way the music in this film is horrific and i know it's i know it's going to get worse when we move on to deal (laughs) but the soundtrack to this film i guarantee you sold zero copies um at the final table there's this hilarious thing where every time someone bets folds or calls everyone everyone applauds did oh, you notice yeah, that? Yeah,
1: no. There's a big round of applause every time anyone does anything. The pot is
0: now over one million dollars. <laughs> um. By the way, I wish they'd got that old guy from the super satellite to deal the final table. It would have been so much more entertaining. You old fool! You forgot to burn! You idiot! Which brings us to the last hand. Painful, not dramatic, and completely illogical blatant collusion which is pretty disgusting but crucially not touching at all it comes from nowhere you never believe for one second that there is any motivation for him to do this and also he's cheating his backer he then lies to his backer about what he was holding he basically at an all-in showdown folds the winning hand face down now again People who watch our live streams know that we have a very strict rule on our tour, which if it's an all-in and a call, both hands have to be shown. Why? It prevents collusion and soft play. I'm pretty sure that every major poker tournament has that rule, yet somehow in this movie they ignore that and allow him to fold the winning hand so he can chip dump to his dad, who then doesn't even win!
1: Yeah, um, I actually think that you can get by all of the etiquette and straight up rules violations in this particular scene if you have the dad do it for the son at least then it makes sense from like a story point of view like way more than the son who has shown no remorse or love for his father in any way um to just all of a sudden do the quote unquote right thing which by the way isn't the right thing no. like you could you can almost justify it if it's like a father doing the right thing for his son and like ensuring a good life for his son or whatever it makes way more sense can, can we just from now on refer to that rule that, by the way as both hands being exposed on it all in as the lucky you rule from now
0: on, it will be known as the Lucky You Rule. Although I guess you could also call it the Deal Rule because, spoiler alert, there's a very similar <laughs> hand in the next movie we're going to be discussing. Had they made Lucky U 2, which obviously there was never, that was never going to happen, I guarantee you the following year, Eric Banner's character would have oversold himself in the World Series main event because that's the kind of scumbag that he is. Um, I have a rewrite to this ending. What if Banner had actually had queens there and had called with Queens on the river, and we don't know as the audience if he was just calling off in a bad spot or had decided he wanted his dad to win. But it was left kind of open as to whether or not he was doing this for his dad.
1: Well, you're saying there's a way to do this without all the cheating?
0: There's a way to do it with a degree of subtlety that's actually true to poker, but it's a Hollywood movie. (laughs) What am I talking about? There's then a naff final scene between the father and son, and the most dull unemotional zero chemistry between the two lead scene between eric and drew that closes out this movie which by the way is more than two hours long
1: it's so bad like the final scene is somehow by far the worst scene in a movie full of awful scenes like the like the wanna have a catch dad feel the dreams poker game between father and son I think I would never use the word naff, but that is perfect. It is absolutely naff, and then for some reason they tack on this scene between him and Drew Barrymore that feels like it was filmed on day one of shooting.
0: Actually, I thought it looked like it was filmed after the event. This looked like a reshoot where it's like- well, oh, we've maybe, got, sure. We've got this touching ending between him and his dad, but where does he stand with Drew? We've, they've got to walk off into the sunset together. I mean, he, he took his motorcycle all the way to Bakersfield to pick her up, remember? <laughs>
1: And so, yeah, this movie's over two hours long. I was so mad that I had to watch this again. Um, because it was just really tough to get through. I ended up pausing get a bunch to like answer texts and stuff like that. So it actually took me like over three hours to watch this movie. I don't know if you realize this or not, James, but Bob Dylan wrote is a bespoke song for no. this movie. I have just called I just slated call- the soundtrack and you're telling me Bob Dylan wrote it? Yeah, hold on. It's though well, the scene they pl- the song they play over. The, I'm looking it up right now. Over the the closing credits is called. Yeah, it's called Huck's Tune.
0: Huck's Was written tune.
1: specifically the for the film and later released on Bob Dylan's Bootleg Series Volume Eight. And you got to hear some of these uh, lyrics. Let me see if I can pull up the lyrics for Huck's Tune. Huck's Tune lyrics. The game's gotten old, the deck's gone cold, and I'm going to have to put you down for a while. Oh. And, like, when I was listening to it, I it's was like... It's not
0: exactly blowing in the wind, is it?
1: No, and I was like, oh, man, this is so on the nose. This These lyrics, this is such a bet." And I was like, oh, my God, that's Bob Dylan. Also, I don't know if you realize this or not, and the only reason I did is because I started making out with the girl I was watching the movie with uh, during the closing credits. I didn't make it to
0: the end of the credits. Please tell me there's a post credit scene that I missed.
1: There is. No, no, you're kidding me. That's an (laughs) Easter egg in lucky you.
0: Yeah.
1: It's the, uh, the guy Samuel L Jackson in it. Yes. He's like, I need you for a special (laughs) mission. Uh, It's uh, the guy with the, with the boobies leaving the bathroom and he'd been in there for 30 days. And Horatio Sands is all like, Yeah, but there's 31 days in October and him being like, womp, womp. Uh, Well, I guess I'm going back in for another month then and like goes back in the bathroom. Oh my Uh, God. Now I'm glad I missed that scene. Yeah. And so I was like, because I was like, we were, like, smooching, and I was like, did I hear voices? And I looked over, and like, oh, my God, there's an Easter egg. That's wow. amazing.
0: Wow. Uh, you wanted some hot takes from the audience, Joe. Uh, yes. Andy Gibbons tweets to say, I have fond memories of Lucky You, but only because I got sent to Rome for a couple of days to cover the junket, where Robert Duvall told me <laughs> stories about making Apocalypse Now. We also bonded over tennis when he found out I lived in Wimbledon.
1: That's pretty fucking cool. All right. I get, I get to see liking any movie for okay. that reason. Now,
0: Scott – SFB 45 sorry to name and shame you but I'm not gonna lie James it's not a bad storyline but the poker is absolutely cringeworthy second part right first part wrong it's not a good storyline it's a horrible storyline
1: it's not a good storyline and again I think that they saw a couple of things in poker they thought was cool they see the Doyle and Todd thing they obviously took the fucking name Hawk directly from Hawkseed. um yeah, there's there's no real character development. You don't you don't care about any of them. Well, Scott continues. His oh.
0: example of the poker being bad in Lucky You, especially when Jen Harmon knocks her fist on the felt, I bet she died a little inside when she did that. And again, your highest one of my, one of the one few of my favorite moments parts that was fine. Yeah. There are so many things you could pick up on that were wrong with the poker in this movie. Jen Harmon's performance, not one of them. So Scott, your hot take Has been discarded (coughs) Your hot take is cold as shit Okay Joe Let's take a brief hiatus And then let's shuffle up And deal
1: It ain't no big deal It ain't no big deal When I'm behind the wheel
0: So, part two of our back-to-back movie review show. Sorry, people, it's not going to get any better. It's <laughs> Deal 2008. So, just to be clear, even though Lucky You was a huge dumpster fire and did nothing at the box office, this movie got made one year later.
1: Yeah. Um. I know this is going to be a hot take, James. At this point, I actually prefer Deal to Lucky You.
0: I do as well. Do you know why? Because it's only 82 minutes long, whereas Lucky You was more than two hours.
1: There is something to that, and I hadn't actually put my finger on it, and I'm sure that there's that there's <laughs> contributes to it slightly. I don't know. Maybe it was just because this was new and I hadn't seen it before. You can kind of understand how two poker movies with like I, nearly identical – Plots get made because I gotta tell you, James. In my time straddling the line between Hollywood and poker, I have had the same ideas pitched to me over and over and over again by totally different people. So the fact that I have no doubt in my mind that this was the same stupid concept conceived by two different people uh, at the same time is does not uh, surprise me at all. I thought, James, that uh, since I opened lucky you with the itunes description that i might read the itunes description for deal
0: please do by the way those of you in the united kingdom will notice that deal <clears> is not <throat> available in the itunes store which is why i had to spend three pounds 99 on the dvd yeah
1: but i spent three dollars 99 at the itunes store at least you got something that you could the light on fire afterwards i
0: guarantee you it will be given away <laughs> on this show in a future episode
1: <laughs> all right here we go deal Set against the world of high-stakes poker, Deal follows the story of Alex Stillman, a cocky, hot-shot, card-playing senior at Yale University. Alex dreams of becoming a professional Texas hole-in-poker player, but does not yet have the skill to master the table. Fortunately for him, a chance encounter introduces Alex to retired poker legend Tommy Vinson. Tommy was at the top of his game 20 years ago, but gave it all up in order to save his family. Upon meeting Alex, Tommy realizes he dot, 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 because no one knows how to read past the dot, dot, dot on iTunes. That was
0: actually not bad. There weren't many poker cliches thrown in, and it was a reasonably accurate description of what happens in this movie. It didn't reference the fact that when you switch this movie on, you were going to be bombarded by in-your-face credits followed by a spinning camera shot, which means two minutes in, you will be feeling like you want to throw up.
1: I actually like the opening titles. I thought they were kind of cool. However, a lot of times that worries me about a movie because it's like, holy shit, this movie sucks balls. We need to put like a really sick opening title sequence on this. It's like we spent
0: uh, all the money on the credits and then forgot that we actually should have put some production values into the film.
1: Exactly, and when you see the rest of this movie, you realize that they spent money on the most bizarre of things in this movie instead of, you know, like a script. Um, so the movie opens up with this aforementioned yale university uh poker game happening i didn't hate this scene well the uh,
0: only note i made on this scene i'd like to read it to you verbatim the most unlikable pricks in human history playing a home game
1: yeah i mean that's pretty much any ivy league college dorm um where poker is happening um there are quite a few professional poker players who got their start at brown university i imagine their games would feel a lot like this in the beginning. Although, James, you didn't make a note on the fact that the camera is whipping around the room. No, at- as I said, the
0: spinning camera combined with the credits, I literally wanted to throw up.
1: I mean, it was absolutely
0: horrible. So much of the camera work in this movie. Let's hand it to Lucky You. At least it looks like it was shot by a professional. This is Handy Cam Central.
1: Yeah, this is pretty brutal. And it, I thought to myself, I was like, oh, I feel like I'm on a tilt a world. And I was like, wait a second, I'm on tilt. yes. And I took, I gave the movie credit for this. Yes, I was like, oh, they're they were making a poker reference already here.
0: I think you're giving the movie far too much credit. <laughs> um, product placement alert! Play on Poker Stars, ladies and gentlemen, especially the version that has really bad sound effects,
1: including a slot machine jackpot noise when you win a satellite. Okay, so I don't know if you noticed this about this movie, but there are incorrect sound effects for almost every type of foleying that they needed to do in this movie knocks <laughs> knocks are out of place like when when tommy knocks on his hotel room door later he hits it like four times you only hear three of them uh when his little brother's playing nintendo later there's pac-man noises over i don't know what the fuck they're doing in this movie but they couldn't even get like simple sound effects right no uh but crucially our
0: hero whose name i can't remember gets to Alex. play in the poker Stars 10 million dollar challenge but because there's always a but disapproving dad cliche alert
1: yeah um and it was such i did again i don't mind cliches as long as they're written fairly well but this there's dialogue this is, like, film
0: is written well
1: no he's like but son you already have a job like it's like the most expositional get to the point move the story along dialogue ever in, in a really dumb conversation. also did you notice that his best friend is is here in this scene with him as he's graduating uh, from college, and then his best friend is also in every other scene with his family, including when he's not there. Which does the best can- friend live with his family? Does he live with them? Or I was like, is it his brother? It was really weird that they wrote him into every seat. Like my best friend will sometimes hang out with my family when I'm not there, but not. It, not every day.
0: It was a bit weird, but not as weird as the aforementioned Poker Stars $10 million challenge. Now, here's the thing. At this time, I was already hosting TV shows for Poker Stars. I was denied cinematic glory slash embarrassment, delete as applicable, by Greg Raymer and Joe Hashem, who are hosting this TV show. And bless them, they're a little bit flat. Let's give credit where credit is due. Later on in the film, when we are on the WPT, Mike Sexton and Vince Van Patten are totally believable. They're actually, the, they put in probably the best performances of anyone in this film. But Greg and Joe
1: just don't sell it at all. No, they don't. But I guess they could have been worse, is all I'll say. Yeah. Like, I've seen worse cameos than that. Oh, but when, oh, when Greg puts on his, on his glasses. I'm um, ready to he's play. Like,
0: if someone doesn't show up, oh, it's really awful. Plus, this TV show has the old EPT credits from seasons one and two. If you're a poker nerd, you might have noticed that. Um, The final table of the PokerStars $10 million challenge features Karen Razor Jones. Lol. Another example of a genuine poker player playing a different poker player, because it's Jennifer Tilly.
1: Yeah, I think when when you've got... uh, I mean, look, Jennifer's like one of the only legitimate actors in this entire movie, so uh, why not give her something for her to sink her teeth into? And I will say... Karen Razor Jones is a different character <clears throat> excuse me, than Jennifer Tilly. Uh, Karen's a bit of a dick. Uh, she's got a bit of a temper, and I've never seen Jen behave the way that, that Karen does, so at least it's not just her with a different name.
0: Yeah, I did quite like the device of teaching the audience the rules of No Limit Hold'em via a tutorial in a TV show, much better than the Eric teaches Drew poker scene from Lucky You, but this this tournament concludes or we only follow it until our hero is knocked out, with the least dramatic, most confusing hand in movie history. And I literally had to go back and watch it again. And it may just have been the fact that I wasn't watching a particularly good quality copy, but the flop shot is so far out, I couldn't see what the cards were. So
1: I didn't know what he had, what she had, or what had happened. I actually um, had a problem with the way they do most of the poker in this also, where I it's blinking, you'll miss it. whole card reveals, uh, and if you're gonna do the the device of having it be on a TV show, leave the graphics up there. You know, K- keep it up there so we can see what it is. Because uh, a lot of times I missed what the whole cards were. Yeah, and because I like looked away for a second, and then I was so um, this. This movie so much, I didn't want to rewind it. I was like, I'd rather just not know what it is.
0: You're absolutely right. It's the same thing with Joe Hashim's tutorial. If you're going to present it as we're watching a TV show, you can have those elements from the TV show within the film on the screen that will help the audience. So what actually happens in the hand? I think he basically flops top pair, turns two pair. She has a set. He's drawing dead on the turn. But for some reason, the commentators miss it and say, let's see what happens on the river. And then... Karen Razor Jones makes some comment about the river didn't help you, but you were beaten on the turn anyway. And it's just a really awful scene, but there are uh, many question. more to come.
1: Why does no movie budget for real chips? Like every single poker movie I've ever seen, they're playing with like gas station chips. Yeah. What it, the fuck is going on?
0: I Casino Royale, which we discussed on this podcast a few months ago, they actually had bespoke casino chips made for that film. Those were the business.
1: Yeah, well, it's very, very rare. It's so weird because, like I said, they clearly spent some money on this movie. And this is, by the way, this is the scene where Burt Reynolds is like at home watching uh, Alex on TV and is like starting to. Starting the wheels are in motion as to how he can coach this kid. But doesn't it not does Burt Reynolds not look so bad in this movie that it looks like when Phil Locke dressed up like the old man at the World Series of Poker and prosthetics?
0: It's really, really sad because this film was made. I think I did the math. It's 10 years after Boogie Nights or 11 years after Boogie Nights. And Burt Reynolds looks like he's aged 20 years with as many surgical operations during that time.
1: Yeah, and he doesn't so much as act in this movie as he does unhinge his lower jaw occasionally. Oh, man, he Just is sort of wiggles so, it back and
0: forth. So dialing it in. Charles Durning, <laughs> another very talented actor who's in so many great films of the 1970s, he then pops up, tempts Burt into the casino, cut to more erratic camera moves, and more arseholes playing poker. Whoopee.
1: Oh, yeah, the Hollywood park scene. Uh, I totally agree that the camera work in this movie is really bizarre. Like I I wouldn't even just call it bad, but it's just unnecessary. Like a lot of the stuff they do. Um and I love this scene because Burt Reynolds is like waiting for Alex outside uh and he's he's like nice playing in there like he's some <laughs> kind of talent scout. Like the only time this would ever actually happen in poker, which I kind of like if they went this way, is if is if Burt Reynolds was some kind of grifter. There's no like legit talent scout that's going to hang out outside hollywood park watch a dude playing like two four or two like two five or whatever the fuck they're playing and then be like you know kid we could really go places with this like it just doesn't happen
0: but but spotted his tell it's all about the tells
1: oh my god these movies are always about the tells why <laughs> why is it because it's really look i think, as much think as i think it makes good cinema it, that's why Right. Stop making poker movies. We don't need it. It's just not everything <laughs> is supposed to be a movie. Not everything has to be a movie. And tells is the only way you can make it interesting. This scene is amazing when they go back into Hollywood Park and they're like looking around looking around the room. And Bert's like, what's his tell? And they're like seven tables away. What's he have? <laughs> and they're like they're like calling out hands from like 10 yards away. I think he's got ace king, ace king or ace queen and then he turns over his hand and it's dun 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 ace queen i would really love it if this scene if burt reynolds was like so what's he got over there and alex is like well i'd really have to see board textures and betting sizes and then maybe we could start to determine what his ranges are but i'd really need a much larger sample size than just one hand
0: (laughs) Uh, that would have been a great twist in the movie um so for reasons that aren't quite clear um, the hero, whose name I've forgotten again, goes Alex. back to Burt Reynolds' <laughs> apartment and Burt then shows him his collection of, uh, of photos and winning hands, tells an anecdote about beating Doyle Brunson and I have a confession to make. I may have dozed off for a couple of minutes because I think Burt gives a speech about why he no longer plays poker and I don't remember any of
1: it. Here's what I wrote. Speech. T-L-D-R. <laughs> <laughs>
0: But the the Cliffs version is he doesn't play poker anymore and hasn't played for 20 years.
1: And I'm almost positive that when the kid sees the two cards hanging on the wall and he goes, that's the hand I beat Doyle Bronson with. I'm almost positive the kid responds by saying, you beat Doyle Bronson? I'm almost (laughs) positive the kid says Bronson. And then what happens is... Uh, god bless them for not doing a montage for ones who knew that there's going to be about 20 of them in this movie uh just not this scene is they're about to like watch their seventh vhs tape of uh the wpt and the kid goes we've been doing this for days and they're <laughs> both wearing the exact same clothes they were wearing in the previous scene so there's I don't two know
0: buckets if- on the floor one for piss <laughs> one for shit
1: <laughs> and by the way burt reynolds Wears this like Dick Tracy reject <laughs> wardrobe, yellow, banana, yellow sport coat the entire movie. I don't know why.
0: <laughs> so then our hero persuades Bert to take him to Vegas. Cue what we've all been waiting for, Joe. A terrible
1: montage. A montage that's still more about the tells, 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 tells. Uh it's amazing. Um, so they've got another montage. The only way to tell a story poker wise, apparently. And then you've got more people being assholes at the table, which James has noticed is the only way you can shoot these movies. Yes, it is. And- as I described it this time, it's the big game with bell ends. All I could think about was, uh, you know, again, there's another shot at online poker in this movie. This guy says something along the lines of this ain't no online poker kid. You ain't and playing again- on the
0: Internet now, Sonny.
1: Yeah, and all I, again, all I can think of is being like, well, actually, this is significantly easier.
0: <laughs> <laughs> again, no idea what the hands are because it's covered so badly. Um, yeah. And then comes the moment, and obviously there is a, a I, I'm teeing up what we re- we learn later in the movie, Bert sets up our hero with Nadia from American Pie.
1: I uh, My note here is really awful dating lesson that makes no sense in context, but you later find out it's just so they can have a reason to fall out. Yeah um chanel elizabeth is hardly in this movie for some reason i
0: remembered her having a much bigger role but actually she's only in about four scenes
1: yeah this is i'm sorry and again like a lot of the things this movie are blink and you miss it after there's the big reveal of her being with the john later on does she come back in the movie at all she doesn't that's
0: it that's her last scene in the film that's
1: I thought I might admit, I was like, that's fucking weird. That is just really bizarre. Can well, you imagine Shannon being like, I have to play this hooker. Like, I just have to. I
0: mean, just to skip ahead to the end of my notes, the last thing I wrote down was I I half expected Shannon Elizabeth to show up at the end of the film. I thought that he was going to walk off into the sunset with the uh, with the Las Vegas prostitute. But nope, She's she's gone from midway through the film.
1: My guess is that they wanted her for that part so badly and she probably wasn't available to do the the ending scenes that they probably just said, OK, fuck it. We'd rather just have another person in this movie. We recognize this scene, by the way, to go back to where we're actually at in the movie is so bad. Like they do this. She tries to teach him how to bluff by lying about what he does for a living in order to get girls to pay more attention to him. And I was like, what like this is horrible dating advice
0: apply logic to anything in this film
1: and then we will and then the most illogical thing about this entire movie is burt reynolds more or less is like go get laid son And then he comes back from getting laid and Bert's like, what are you doing? We need to focus, son. And you're like, wait, 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 you just, you just sent me to do that.
0: This whole thing about focus becomes a big thing, especially when they then move on to New Orleans, which is introduced, by the way, with stock footage, some of which may have been stills. I actually went back. and I'm pretty sure that they were using stills because they didn't have enough moving footage. Um. What was this bizarre keeping him awake at night thing about? It's like a strategy that other players use. They're going to take you off your game by, like, sending room service to your hotel room or calling the phone in your hotel room.
1: What? Uh, yeah, apparently. I mean, this is something that legitimately happens in professional sports and collegiate sports where the other team knows where your team is staying, so they pull the fire alarm. They, uh, it doesn't they, happen in poker. It, I mean... It may have happened once in poker, but like, wouldn't that be hilarious if you're in like, you know, you're at the PCA and it's a 1700 player field and then you call hookers to 1698 people's (laughs) rooms.
0: But the hilarious thing is the next day when he's like yawning at the table and hardly able to throw his chips into the pot and there's these two other guys at the table sniggering and kind of going, nudge, nudge, wink, wink. Yeah, we got him good, didn't we? We've taken him off his A game. Uh, yeah, it's just really
1: like how would they even know about him? It's yes, just really, really stupid, um, which, by the way, this is montage number 41 for the movie was here in New Orleans. Yeah. And my favorite part about this is, hey, lie, lie to everyone, you know, so you can go play poker. Burt Reynolds is lying to his wife, yeah, his but, kids lying to his parents. But
0: Burt's wife finds out and Burt's wife leaves him, in which case he's like, eh,
1: let's go back to Vegas then. And they play some more. Uh, Yep, they're back in Vegas for some reason, again, immediately. And then Shannon's acting funny now.
0: Oh, yeah, something's we, not
1: right here. We know that we're being told it for a reason, but also we don't care.
0: And then comes the big reveal, the awkward reveal, when it turns out that she's a prostitute, and Bert set her up, paid her to sleep with our hero, whose name I can't remember, so that he would be less focused. I, I don't even know. I can't even remember the reason why well, he had it. to
1: make him less focused so then he could then yell at him to be, be more focused. Exactly.
0: Yeah, exactly. It was it was, <laughs> was metagame, metagame. Um, of course, there is in the background of this, the story arc with the parents. <laughs> Again, I don't know why they keep feeling the need to return to it because no one gives a shit. But there is the showdown with dad. Dad, I've made all this money. I don't like this. I sent you to law school for a reason, son. But that doesn't matter because he's going to play in the WPT Championship. And because Burt's wife has left him, he feels, fuck it, I've got nothing to lose. I'm going to play the WPT Championship, Bellagio, as well.
1: Yeah, and this, um, again, made no sense to me. His one thing seemed that he was going to not touch the cards himself. Like, that was his his one thing to keep his wife. And then he's like, yeah, you know, I'm just going to play.
0: By the way, did you notice that the WPT was introduced by loads of SDTV footage of famous poker faces, probably taken from an old VHS tape of the WPT TV shows, probably used without permission. And do you remember there was that big legal case about the fact that all these pros didn't like the fact that they signed this release form, that the WPT could use their likenesses for anything, including this movie.
1: Yeah, like, it didn't, like, because we're a little bit in the know, it didn't bother me from, like, a regular viewer perspective because it seemed like, you know, they were cutting back and forth between the TV coverage yeah. and uh, and the movie or whatever. It didn't really bother me. But, man, there was some blasts from the past cameos in there, including Seabock uh, and Gavin were in there, and then uh, Moneymaker. The Moneymaker cameo. But how young does Moneymaker look in this scene? I was going to say he, he, he looks... Almost the same as he does now, only just way less tired. <laughs> I think
0: he looks a lot fresh, a considerably fresher face than he does now. By the way, my favorite thing about this entire section of the movie is the fake Bellagio entrance and lobby, which is clearly some motel in Louisiana where they shot this film and they've just <laughs> stuck a fake Bellagio logo on the revolving doors that the Bellagio doesn't actually have.
1: Yeah, I didn't even realize it was supposed to be the Bellagio. Like, I was just kind of in a state of shock at this point Uh, during this scene, by the way, there are, if you're not watching a montage, you are watching a scene that has the most on the nose music (laughs) of all time in every fucking scene. Like the, the lyrics might've been like, got in a fight with my mentor <laughs> now we're playing poker against each other like it was every single from this moment on for the rest of the movie you've got a guy in the background singing exactly what's happening in the movie it really, it's hilarious
0: so no real shock that both of the protagonists in this movie but and what's his name again i seriously can't remember alex, the character's name. alex. alex make the final table along with isabel no mercy mercier And Scott Lazar, who is the executive producer of this movie, is the main poker consultant on this movie, and
1: put himself at the final table. Yeah, no shit Scott Lazar makes the final table. First of all, um, does Isabel Mercier show up at all in this movie until she all of a sudden appears at the final table? No, No, this That was... There's
0: plenty of Antonio and Phil and obviously Jennifer Tilly playing Karen Razor Jones. But uh, no, this is the first appearance from Isabel.
1: I mean, that was so bizarre that all of a sudden, oh, yeah, we're just going to add people to the final table. Uh, Laser Lazard, does everyone have to have a nickname? Was that even his nickname back then?
0: I have no idea. But cinema audiences love that shit. By the way, you picked up on the uh, Bargain Basement poker chips. Did you see the cards they were using at this final table? Clearly cardboard, because they were bent after the first hand.
1: <laughs> I did not notice they were bent after the first hand. What I did notice is that this tournament has $8 million for first. In your dreams, WPT. <laughs> Where the fuck did they get these numbers from? So again,
0: no real shock that it's heads up between our two protagonists. I actually thought the first few hands of Heads Up were okay. I mean, they're not getting dealt great whole cards. Nobody has anything. Then suddenly this really bad porno music kicks in, which indicates that something dramatic is about to happen. And that thing is that Bert decides he's not going to look at his cards and play every hand blind.
1: Okay, I did not hate this device. In this universe where chills are sure. everything, um, him not looking at his cards I thought was kind of cute. The first time, like when he did it the first time, and then the second time, I was like, "By the way, in the hand right before this, when he is looking at his cards, turns out Bert Reynolds's tell is that he frowns when he has a bad hand because <laughs> he looks down at nine five and then grimaces." To be fair, that is
0: his generic facial expression. He's only able to pull <laughs> one these days, and that's his reaction to everything he looks at in this film.
1: Okay, so now, again, James, what's coming up now is, like, the big moment in this movie. And I have a question for you, because, again, remember I said, like, blink or you miss it, whole cards. So. Well, I've written here,
0: what the fuck is going on? It's impossible to follow the action.
1: Graphics, anyone? Yes, because, again, I thought I might have missed this. So what Alex decides he's going to do is not show his whole cards to the camera for some reason. So we don't know what he has. So that's basically the only reason he does that is just so that us, the movie audience, doesn't know what he has. Correct. But we know what there's Bert no... has. But has pocket jacks. And there's no reason for him narratively to have done this in this exact moment because he didn't know he was going to have aces. Well, here's the,
0: here's the weird thing. We're basically talking about exactly the same ending as Lucky You. The young guy has the old guy beat, but for reasons that aren't really clear, with very little motivation, decides to call an all-in with the best hand and then muck it to chip dump and allow his opponent, his mentor, his idol to win. But again, in the same way that I really didn't get it, why Eric Banner would do that for Robert Duvall, I really didn't get why Alex would do
1: it for Tommy, would do it for Bert. It just didn't make any sense. I actually, it made more sense to me that Alex would do it for Tommy in that, Tommy had never had his his big win. Like he was a winning poker player, but like never won a major, never had like a big tournament win. So it made a little bit more sense to me. Uh, and Alex wasn't quite as big a piece of shit as Eric Bana was from Lucky You. Um, so that made a little more sense to me. I I, I really don't know how. This is all supposed to have gone down like in the realm of the tournament. But I guess who who cares? Why even why even worry about that? All I can say is at least they were heads up in this movie. That is true. When that happened, it was heads up
0: collusion, but again, more soft playing bullshit, a really shit ending. And crucially, at the point that Alex mucks his hand and says, Nice hand, Tommy, and Tommy wins the WPT Championship, we don't know what he's folded. It's only at the very end of the movie that we get the final reveal with really, really bad CGI. We see him lay down aces.
1: Oh, wait. How? So that's why I didn't know what was happening because we don't know he has aces yet. We just know that he falls. We
0: think he's been beaten. And it's only after their conversation when it's like, oh, Tommy, see you at this tournament next month. And Tommy's like, no, we're going on holiday, first class. And that's it. We're never going to see him play poker again. And he goes, you know, I figured, you know, you must have had like nines or tens or something. He goes, yeah, that's right, Tommy. I had nines or tens. And then we step inside Alex's brain and get this flashback to when he folded. And they've basically digitally inserted with CGI aces on both cards And
1: it's, Uh, I, you know, I, I again, I I missed that somehow, but I don't know how you missed that.
0: It's a really bad ending to what is overall a really bad film. But in the same way that I made a slight tweak to the screenplay of Lucky You to try and make that hand slightly better, you had a device. You came up with a narrative twist to this movie which would have made it so much better. Which is basically you would nick the idea from Fight Club that one of the characters isn't actually real.
1: Yes, I thought this movie would have been amazing if Burt Reynolds' character actually didn't exist and he was just a figment of Alex's imagination the the entire time. And then I would have been like, Well, that's far more realistic than what actually happened in this movie.
0: But you know that this movie does not have the intelligence to pull off a plot device like that. Um, I've got some tweets here. When I got the DVD delivered to my house, I tweeted a picture of it. And uh, Jason B says, you know, the poker content will be strong when the cover of the DVD features the best starting hand in Blackjack. It's Ace Jack. Oh, right. That's... And uh, someone else picked up on the fact that the chips they used on the cover are really kind of, again, kind of uh, you know uh, petrol station quality chips. But actually, that was quite reflective of what actually happened in the movie. Um, Tweeisha on Twitter: I watched Lucky You and Deal, enjoyed everything but those ridiculous laydowns. There's not much to enjoy in these Good for films. You.
1: No, oh, hey, look, if there was something to enjoy, like if you like watching Barry Greenstein, eat a bowl of blueberries and all the more power to you.
0: Eating eggs. What was it? Like five times? <laughs> uh, Jane Windsor says, I found Deal online, but it was in Spanish. No problemo. I speak Spanish almost as well as Stapes. I have every reason to believe that this movie is probably vastly improved if you watch it in a foreign language that you don't understand.
1: El <laughs> El Comantador it's his second favorite movie
0: now we did have two applications f- to be this week's superfan the aforementioned tweet show was one but pulled from random out of the hat was gareth taylor and gareth wanted to only answer questions about deals. so let's bring him on the show and let's have this week's deal themed superfan quiz superfan versus stakes so let's welcome him to poker in the Years. hello gareth taylor
1: Hiya, uh, how are you guys doing? Good, Gareth. How are you? Yeah, I'm, I'm good. Gareth, we we're talking to you in the middle of your workday. What is your workday? Is it a workday? What are you doing today? Uh, I'm a full time carer for my wife and father of triplets, so. Okay, um, so you are a busy man. Yeah. Is there any danger of the house burning down right now while we have you distracted? No, none at all. Okay, very good.
0: We promise we won't take up too much of your time, Gareth. Thank you, by the way, for coming to the live show at the Hippodrome. It was great to meet you. I'm not going to lie, when you submitted your application for Superfan vs. Stapes, I'm like, well, he's been on before. And then I went down the list and realised you never have. You've been around for so many years. We've had so many tweets from you. I can't believe that you're only just now making your
1: appearance on the show. Yeah, it's uh, not really sort of had a subject that other people hadn't done before, so... Well, now you're you're doing one that no one else is willing to do because no one even wants to watch this movie, ju- even to come on the show. <laughs> yeah, they haven't been great. The weird thing is, Gareth, you are the guy who
0: alerted me to the fact that The Grand is called Loser in the UK, uh, which Joe wants to talk about on a future podcast. Have you seen that movie yet? And if so, would you recommend we discuss it? Yeah, it's, um, it's a lot more tongue-in-cheek than... The other films, it's not something that's like, oh, we're a serious poker movie. It's just a just a fun movie to watch. But it's yeah, it's still not a fantastic movie, but it's good.
1: It's well- James, it's one of those uh, one of those almost totally improvised movies. Like, uh, right. it's it's under this is like a there. It's their attempt at a Christopher Guest movie.
0: If we're going to talk about totally improvised stuff, by the way, can we quickly say what is going on with the new season of Curb Your Enthusiasm? Woof.
1: I watched uh, the first episode with the foisted. Thought it was thought it was fine. Um, and then uh, the second episode, I was like, eh. yeah. Is that also all? that's out right now.
0: Yeah, just two episodes. Uh, better pick up fast. Uh, sorry for the diversion, Gareth. First so, right. deal is the subject of this week's Superfan quiz because we set the subject. You are playing for a one hundred nine dollar. PCA satellite ticket. Big prize up for grabs this week. And because you are the super fan, because you are our guest, you get to choose first. Not a number, please, but just odd or even. We're going to do this in rounds. So question one or question two, you get to pick. One. Question number one. And every single question is multiple choice. Two points if you can do it without the choices. Uh, one point if you need the four options. And there is a bonus question attached to every single question so what is the name of the girl who calls alex in his college dorm distracting him from playing on poker stars oh um options are available yeah i'll take my choice. okay is it michelle melinda melissa or maureen melissa It is Melissa for a point. I thought you might have been caught out there by Michelle, which was the name of Shannon Elizabeth's character. (laughs) Your bonus question, Gareth. What is the name of Alex's roommate? Steve. You can steal for a point, Joe. Uh, Rob. No, it was Ben. The guy Ah. that we were just mentioning pops up at various points hanging around his parents' house. Joe, it's your question. What does Tommy do when his wife catches him watching poker on TV? Uh, He flips it to baseball. He does for two points. Joe, you have a bonus question here.
1: (laughs) Okay, James, go ahead.
0: While booking a cruise online, what class of travel does Tommy's wife say they can afford? Third class. Yes! I didn't even know there was a third class. And you have a 3-1 lead after the first round, Joe. Okay. That's why
1: it's that's why it stood out to me. I was like, third class? What is That's like animals, I think.
0: <laughs> Gareth, pick wisely. Round two, odd or even? I'll go even. Okay. Where did Tommy and Alex first meet? Which venue? Options are available. I'll take a stab at Commerce Casino. It's not the Commerce Casino. Gio, the options haven't been taken. You can steal.
1: It's only one point for a steal or two.
0: Two points for a steal without the choices.
1: I'm pretty sure they met at the Luxor Poker Room, James.
0: No, it was actually, according to the film, the LA Racetrack and Casino.
1: Oh, right. Sorry, I was... (laughs) (laughs) Hollywood Park is what I was thinking, but apparently it wasn't. It was the LA racetrack and casino. Gareth, you still
0: get the bonus question. In a key hand at that venue, Alex claims he flopped a set, but Tommy reads him for something else. What? Miss Flush draw. Correct, for a point. Joe, you have a one-point lead, and it's your question. Alex makes the final of the PokerStars $10 million challenge and the WPT Championship. Which other player makes both final tables?
1: Oh, good question. I guess it must be Karen Razor Jones.
0: It is not Karen Razor Jones, which means, Gareth, you can steal because the options have not been given. Uh, Is it text button? It is text button for two points. (laughs) Text button? I forgot about text button. I know it's very hard to say his name without bursting into laughter. Uh, there is a bonus oh, which goes to Joe first, who plays text button. Oh, I have no idea. Gareth, do you happen to know? Is there options? There are no options, I'm afraid. Uh, no. It's an actor called J D Evermore, uh, which takes <laughs> us into the third round. The score is four points to Gareth, three points to Joe, and Gareth, you can choose odd or even. I'll go even again. Okay, In the cash game in Vegas, what nickname does one of the salty regs give Alex? ATM. He does. Two points. And there is a bonus, of course. Alex stacks the guy. Boom. With what five card hand? Flush. No, it was actually a straight. Joe, your question. In his house, Tommy displays the hand that he beat Doyle Brunson with. What are the cards? And yes, I need the suits. Jacket of diamonds? Correct, for two points. Wow, Joe Stapleton remembered something. Uh, if you get the bonus question correct, Joe, it's a tied game. Which okay. player does Tommy force Alex to study from old WPT footage? Phil Locke? Nope. Gareth, do you want to steal? No, no, sorry, I can't. It was Gus Hansen. Okay, we enter round number four. You know how this works by now, Gareth. Odd or even? Odd. Where does Alex take Michelle the prostitute on their first date? An amusement arcade. It is an amusement arcade for two points. Bonus question, what game do they play in the arcade? They do, and you are leading by 9 points to 5. Joe, your question. During the argument with his disapproving dad, how much money does Alex petulantly throw on the ground? $62,000. Wow, spot on for two points. Let's see if you can get the bonus, (laughs) Joe. Alex's disapproving dad is a lawyer. In which Oliver Stone movie does the same actor, Gary Grubbs, also play a lawyer? This is a bonus question? Here's a bonus question. The People vs. Larry Flint. Was not an Oliver Stone movie. Ah, shit. It's actually Miloš Foreman. Doesn't matter. Gareth, do you happen to know for a bonus point? No, no. It was JFK. Not that many o- it's the only not that Oliver Stone movie, movie with loads of lawyers in it. Anyway, uh, last <laughs> round. Gareth, odd or even? Even. Who is the first player that Tommy eliminates from the WPT championship final table? Options are available. Yeah, I'll take the options. Is it <laughs> text button? <laughs> is it? Te- text button. Isabel No Mercy Mercier, Mike Double Diamond Jackson, or Scott Laser Lazar? Uh, Laser was. He was. He ended up third. So uh, Isabel Mercier. It is Isabel Mercier for one point. And your bonus question: Tommy wins in inverted commas the tournament with what hand? He had pocket jacks. He did for a bonus point. Joe, your final question, close to the final table bubble in the WPT Championship. Tommy nit rolls the shit out of Phil Lark. Phil has two <laughs> pair, aces and kings. What does Tommy have? Uh, Tommy's got a set of oh shit, fives. No, it was sixes. Uh, One last chance to score a point because there is a bonus question here. What does Antonio Esfandiari say to Tommy after the conclusion of that hand? Uh, I don't. I can't remember. Gareth, do you remember?
1: Was it? And they call
0: me a magician? It is for an extra point. Such nice. a terrible, terrible line of dialogue. The final score is. The script s- was awful. Yes, we've, <laughs> we've just spent 40 minutes talking about how awful it is. Seven points to Joe Stapleton, 12 points to Gareth Taylor, our superfan. Gareth, we're going to send you, and everyone loves a chop pot hoodie. And we're also going to That's dispatch amazing. a $109 PCA satellite ticket. Well, thanks very much. Thanks for having me on. Not at all. Thank you for wasting 82 minutes of your valuable time watching this horrific movie.
1: Gareth. Uh, uh, twice, make, yeah. <laughs> Oh, you watched it twice. Holy shit. Make sure you get back in touch if you do anything with that $109 ticket.
0: Yeah, I'll, I'll definitely let you know how I get on. Thank you very much for coming on the show, Gareth. Uh, cheers.
1: Have a great day. Thank you very much. All right, my babies, we are almost out of time for this week's show. Next week, which is actually two weeks from now, it doesn't matter. The next episode of this show.
0: Just to be clear, we are talking about the last full week of October. I think it is going to be the 26th of that month that you will get the next episode of Poker
1: in the Is. And maybe, just maybe, we'll be back on TV next time we talk to you yes. guys next time. We are in your ears. Maybe, just maybe, we'll have our guest, Robert Pankowski. If you're watching the live stream, you know who that guy is. And if you see us on TV, you'll know who he is even more and or again. I know you're excited
0: about next week's superfan contest. It's Kate Bell from Spain, a.k.a. Katita Campana, who sent in that amazing, amazing pitch
1: to be the superfan. Set the new bar for Superfan applications. Don't forget, guys, to click like, rate us, leave us a review, get your name read on the show. Come on, do it. Until next time, for James Hardigan, I am Joe Stapleton. Smell you later.